Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. You know what I find funny? Actually, hilarious. Makes me want to slap my knee. Is over the last 10 years, I get a lot of criticisms, a lot of critiques. And don't get me wrong, constructive criticism is a good thing. Always listen, because you can always make things better. You can always adjust. That's how you stay in the game. But it's funny to me that one of my critiques that I get is that we don't like the content of the site. It's a little bit too salacious for me. And you hear that sometimes with the mainstream media. We won't go down to Rob's level to report certain things or things if you're from the South. I hear that a lot. And I always find it funny. You know why? Because at some point, what I report is going to become mainstream news. And when it becomes mainstream news, all of a sudden, they're going to forget who reported about it initially, which is me. And there's others like me who, who report what you want to read, what you want to hear about, what you want to talk about on social media. They all of a sudden forget. It's as if I didn't exist. That this story that now all of a sudden is mainstream just came out of nowhere. And that's what happened this weekend with Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey. See, BSO was the first to report the family drama that was going on between Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate. We were the first to report that Jalen Ramsey was having a baby with Golden Tate's sister, Rihanna. We were the first to report that Jalen Ramsey was having baby number two with Golden Tate's sister. We were also the first to report that Jalen Ramsey had dropped Golden Tate's sister while she was pregnant for a Vegas dancer. Now, the reason that I call her a dancer is because at one point I called her a stripper and her people got in touch with me and said, no, she's not a stripper. She's a dancer. So, you know, I respect people. You know, I respect people's having a terminology that they want to use. So they said she's a classical dancer. She was not a stripper. So we were going to respect that. So we were the first to report on all of that. 
We were the first to report on uh, Golden Tate rocking the MAGA hat. People tried to tell us it was fake. Tried to say it was fake news. Come to find out it's true. He did. Wore the MAGA hat with his average looking white wife at a Trump uh, resort. Now, Jalen, excuse me, Golden said that, you know, at the time he wasn't really into politics, anything like that. He was just at the resort. They gave him a hat. He wore it and took a picture. Now, this is back, I guess, in 2016. He said once he, you know, Trump became president and kind of saw the person that Trump became, he, you know, he said he doesn't support him any, anymore. I don't know if that's true or not because, you know, a lot of Trump supporters lie. But that's what he said. So we do all of the groundwork with these stories and get criticized for it. Then when the you know what hits the fan, all of a sudden, now it's okay to talk about. Because initially, when Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate was throwing down like Rocky and Apollo Creed at the 50-yard line, the reporters on the scene acted like they had no idea why this was happening. <laughs> They're not in the loop. They don't know what's going on. So what do they do? They start the Googles. And when they start the Googles, then all of the BSO articles come up. But do they say, hey, I got this from BSO. I got this from Rob. Nope. Now, all of a sudden, they act like this is new information, and they present it as such. It's just part of the game. It's, it's, it's part of the game. I'm not even saying it as being bitter or anything like that. I just like people to understand that this is why sometimes, if you're in media, you can't really, you, you can't, your critics, you got to understand the difference between constructive criticism, trusting people in the business, and people just talking, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? People just talk. If you notice, for better or for worse, the most successful people, or maybe I should say the ones that make the most money in the media are the ones that literally just say whatever they want to say and don't really care about the blowback or pushback that they get. Think about all the successful people at Fox News. Think about Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, Colin Cowherd. You think about all these guys the ones that are really famous and are making six, five, six, seven million dollars a year, they're not really about being unbiased. <laughs> they're not really about getting the facts or anything like that. They're about just saying whatever to get you to react and then, you know, cashing out. To me, that's no different than me telling people about what was going on with Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey. Family drama. You want to hear it or you wouldn't click on it. You wouldn't watch it. People say they hate all of these people, but somebody's watching. That's why I said some in the media, not all, but some in the media don't want Trump to lose the election. Because no offense to Biden, it, it, if he becomes the president, there's, there's no action. There's no crazy tweets. There's no crazy debates there's no crazy press conferences there's no wild quotes there's no jokes there's no you know calling people a sleepy joe and crazy pelosi or whatever <laughs> and there's none of that 
the cult like cult ish nature of the presidency goes away. And with that, the people that like the drama goes away too. So there's some in the media that don't want that to happen. But just so you know, just so you know, I mean, now you, I mean, you know, you know why Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate was fighting. I mean, now you know. Now you know. Now ESPN and all these other people are gonna act like this is new news. But you knew if you, if you, you know, you read BSO, you wouldn't be be listening to this podcast. You already knew. You already knew. Uh, Cam Newton uh, got the Rona. Now here's here's really my question with this. To be honest with you, nobody's really asking this question, and I understand it's a sensitive topic, so people can't really you know ask what's you know what's going on with this. But nobody else on the Patriots got it except Cam. What exactly was Cam doing? Nobody, nobody's really asking that question. Normally, you can kind of trace, you can retrace your steps and figure out what, how someone got the wrong, at least in general, maybe not specifically. But what was Cam doing that he was the only one that got the wrong and nobody else? What that tells me is that while he was at the facility, he was following, you know, all of the rules, wearing his mask, you know, had his little tracer on or whatever, they, that little bracelet that they have. But he was following all the protocols. So he wasn't spreading what he had. But when he left the facility, what the hell was he doing? Did he go to like a, you know, a, a sweater shop or a scarf? shop and they wasn't wearing master while he's getting an ascot or something like I, i'm just curious what exactly he was doing nobody's really talking you know about that i mean you're the quarterback of the new england patriots you're in boston was it was this it was some, some snow there you know what i'm saying on the milk yacht i mean what was what was going on i would like to know i really would like to know to be honest with you but nobody's really talking about it, so I guess that's going to stay a secret. If you was on a milk yacht, that's okay. But, you know, you got to watch out. I told you, all milk is not good milk for you. Some of it's very spoiled. It's not vitamin D. It's very spoiled. You got to be careful. Matt Patricia, Lions head coach, is blaming a black man for his failures. Surprise, surprise. We know who he's voting for. Like, how can you blame, but you've been, you've been in the job for two and a half years, went 10 and 25 and one, you know, terrible. The guy before you, the black coach before you went 36 and 28, probably with less talent, went to the playoffs twice. Before you got the job, it was a nine win season. So you can't say the cupboard was bare. You can't say the team was trash. It's not like, you know, when Sean McVay took over for Jeff Fisher, like that was, there was talent there. There was people there. You just made it worse, but you, you're pulling a Trump and blaming everything on Obama. That's like when Trump says, you know, if if Biden is the president, you're going to see riots and da-da-da, as if it's not happening right now while he's the president. How are we going to see it? It's already happening. I don't know what's up with them. The Patriots coaches uh, that from the, the Belichick tree, they, you know, besides Mike Vrabel, they, they haven't been great. They They haven't been great. That's just the, the long and short of it. 
and making excuses and, and throwing it on top of a black man is not a good look. It's not a good look at all. When you've lost 12 of your last 13 and you had leads in all 12 of those games, only to blow it, that's probably on you, Chief. Whatever is going on, you know, whatever you're using that pencil in your air for is not working. You may want to try a pen or maybe put something in the notes on your iPhone. They finally fired Bill O'Brien, head coach and trade master, as I like to call him. The trade master after going 0-4. That's a good thing for Deshaun Watson. It is my belief and it doesn't always work like this, but it's my belief that if you have a very outstanding quarterback, an athletic quarterback, a quarterback that can do a lot of different things, it is imperative uh, that the head coach uh, is either offensive-minded or he has a offensive coordinator that is brilliant, preferably both. The problem with Bill O'Brien is he's a defensive coach and he really didn't think much of the offense. That's why he's just been taking weapons away from Deshaun Watson ever since he got there. Consider how the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, on the other hand, have young, excitable, talented quarterbacks and they build their offense around the quarterback. They give them more weapons. They give them the type of weapons that makes them better quarterbacks. Like, for instance, for Lamar Jackson, you have someone that came into the league, obviously very skilled, very athletic, could pass. But if you give them, you know, these huge tight ends to throw to, it, it helps with the accuracy. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Josh Allen. You, you give him a, and you also give him a speed guy. So they can go deep because normally these guys would, would, even if they have accuracy issues, they're good with the deep ball because it's, it's a bigger window. You know, Josh Allen, same thing. The man couldn't hit the side of a barn uh, with a spaceship. I, I don't know if that's exactly how that saying goes. But what they do, they brought him along slowly. He was basically a fullback playing quarterback for a while. But they got him, you know, Josh Brown. Then they got him Stephon Diggs, physical receivers that can make tough catches, speed guys. They can get deep. They gave him a cold. You get you a cold Beasley. If you are a young quarterback in the NFL, you want you a cold Beasley. You want you an Adam Humphreys. You you know you want you an Edelman. You want you one of them little white guys when it's third and five that can create space and make an easy window for you to throw to. It helps, believe it or not. It definitely helps. Now, Deshaun Watson's, you know, running out there with Will Fuller. No offense to Will Fuller. He's a good, solid wide receiver. It's really all he got. He's running for his life. And what ends up happening is when you are a quarterback like that, and you now all of a sudden you start seeing ghosts, not quite like Sam Donald, but you hold the ball a little longer because nobody's open. You're running around a little bit longer in the pocket. You're getting more. You're getting sacked more. So the smart thing would just be to hire Eric Bieniemy at the end of the year, try to get some of those draft picks back, try to actually get talent around uh, Deshaun Watson. They're, they're not devoid of talent. I think they were devoid of confidence 
and they just kind of lost faith in what Bill O'Brien is doing. I don't think Bill O'Brien is a bad head coach. I think he's a terrible GM. That's the difference. So everybody's not built for that. Everybody's not built for all of that responsibility. Just if he he was just coaching, he gets you to nine and seven. He gets you to ten and six. Just if he was just coaching, no reasonable general manager would have traded De DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's just not. It, not and then they trade them for you know, some cardboard boxes and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No reasonable GM. He just he just wasn't good with his trades. If you have a a star quarterback and you already have a star receiver there, you keep that intact. It trust me, it helps. And then what happens is eventually, eventually the quarterback, as he gets more experience, and you know, then all of a sudden he can make these other guys. Look good. You know what I'm saying? Like, you take Aaron Rodgers, you know, when Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you know, after they have all the experience, Drew Brees, they can lose a guy but still make these other guys in the starts. You know, young quarterbacks aren't at that level yet, even Deshaun Watson. He can he kept them close, but he, he, can't, he can't make these guys in the starts. You got to put the right weapons behind them. Now, what in the blue hell? What in the blue hell? You know what's the problem with Trump getting the Rona? Is that he and his cronies lie so much that you have no idea what's the truth. Just a whole boy who cried wolf type of situation. It's like they overwhelm you with so many lies. Now there's conspiracy theorists all over the place because they don't know what the hell is going on. They don't know who you should believe. Now, I will say this in the sense that it, either way, either way it goes, no matter what path you take, whichever which turn you make in the fork in the road, none of it really matters because it's all bad. And, and let me explain. If Trump does have the Rona, right, now you have the president of the United States with the coronavirus. If Trump doesn't have the Rona, you have the president of the United States faking an illness to try to help win an election. If Trump has the Rona and he's not really that sick, though, he's asymptomatic. I like that word. Asymptomatic. Then he's, you know, faking, you know, needing all of this stuff to, to show, you know, how he's a Superman and all of this stuff. If he really is sick, then he's faking the other way, trying to make it seem like, you know, he's not sick when he's really in, in some tough shape. Furthermore, if he's take if he is sick, or he, I should say, yeah, if he is sick, and he's taking all of these experimental drugs, then, you know, that's a little bit crazy. If he isn't sick and he's taking all of these experimental drugs, maybe they're not that experimental. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe these are the drugs that everybody needs to be taking. They're not experimental at all. It's what I like to call the magic drugs. The magic concoction. Remember Magic Johnson, you know, at HIV? Some of you probably aren't old enough to remember. But I believe when, when Magic 
came out and said he was HIV. I, I definitely was in high school. I was in high school because I remember I came home, I think it was from football practice or some sort of practice or hanging out after school. I didn't come home at the normal time. You know, school lets out at like 2, 3 or something. I didn't get home till like 5 o'clock, 5, 6 o'clock. Now, I remember when I walked in, my grandmother, Grandma Ruby, was watching the news uh, back in St. Louis. It was, she used to watch Channel 4 News of CBS. She was watching the news, and when I walked in with my backpack and all, I think I had my football equipment or whatever it was. I think it was in the winter, but I'm not sure. All I remember, yeah, yeah, because it was before the season, if I'm not mistaken. So that would have been around football time for high school. I remember walking in and she was watching the news and there was magic, you know, on the television. And so you got to remember, this is the, the what is this, probably the uh, mid-90s, I believe. You have to remember, you know, information didn't move as quickly back then. I remember initially they had said, hey, you know, magic, it was sick. Not sick, but he needed some additional tests and he wasn't in the preseason games, but... You didn't, it wasn't like now where, you know, Adam Schefter would just put his medical records, you know, out there. Woj would have it all in like five minutes. Him and Shams. You know, Shams had uh, Trump with the Rona. But anyway, Magic was on TV. And Magic said, I had HIV. Now, back then in the 90s, that was basically, you're dead. <laughs> That's the way people thought of it as. Catch HIV, you get AIDS, you die. That's normally how it went. So people were like, well, hey, well, we don't know how much longer magic has. Uh, so we should, you know, try to appreciate him, you know, while we can. And yeah, I remember at this time, magic, I think, was he was young. He was like 30, right? Maybe 30, 32. He wasn't, he wasn't old. He had been in the league maybe, I think, 12 years at that time, 11, 12 years. And he came in at like 19, so he's in the early 30s. I didn't think he was going to make it past the summer. Now, as we know now, Magic, <laughs> 25 years later or whatever, you wouldn't even know he was sick. They said Magic doesn't have the virus anymore. Now, what's the difference between Magic and your regular, every average day Joe is that Magic had access to a whole lot of money. He knew a whole lot of people. He knew the best of the best. And he was getting the best medical care that they had at the time. I think one of the things that helped Magic, which in some cases didn't help some of the other celebrities that passed away uh, from, from HIV and AIDS, is that Magic caught it, I guess, at the beginning. If you take someone like uh, Freddie Mercury, uh, from Queen, he had it for a while, but he didn't really do anything about it. Then, you know, you just, if you don't do anything about it, then it just, you get sick. So it's really fast. Magic found out, you know, early and was in great physical shape. And then you add in all the money, right? Uh, and getting the best health care in the world. And next thing you know, Magic is healthier than all of us. Hanging out with Cookie on a $15 million yacht. Now, what that tells me is that even back then, they had things, maybe it was experimental, but they had things that 
they knew could limit, you know, the death <laughs> from people that had, you know, HIV, even back then. Now, 2020, you really don't, you don't hear much about HIV and AIDS. I know people still get it, but, you know, it seems to be more under control. And I say that to the point that it's the president of the United States, so he's going to have access to things that we do not. And it could be things that, for all we know, just kill the coronavirus already. Things that should be out to the general. It should be, you know, the opposite way. The poor people and all of this stuff should be getting this stuff first, not the rich you know, not the politically, you know, uh, for political people who are in power. But we know that's not how it works. Poor people, you know, kind of like the sacrificial lambs and rich people and pretty much everything um, have advantages just from the fact that they're rich. You know, a poor person doesn't have insurance, gets stuck with a $80,000 health insurance bill, puts them in debt for the rest of their life and their family in debt for the rest of their life. Rich people get people to do stuff for free. I mean, I think Trump's on Obamacare, if I'm not mistaken. He's getting all of this stuff for free. So, I don't know if it's a, I don't, I don't think it's a hoax only because, the reason I don't think it's a hoax is because all of the people around him got it too. So if it was a hoax, it would have to be like a, a really well-planned hoax for his wife and the press secretary and Chris Christie and all these other people to get it. Now, of course, he didn't care that he had it and he was going to, you know, lunches and, 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 and dinners and all of this stuff that, you know, donations he was getting, you know, because he still got to get his cash. Tried to give it to Biden, I think, you know, because he don't care about people. He takes his little ride put the Secret Service in jeopardy. He doesn't care about people. I saw, I heard somebody say, I'm willing to die for this man. That's what they say about cults. <laughs> like, you normally can like or prefer someone, but rarely do you say that. Like, how many people, in, you just think about it, how many people you say, you know, who would you die for? Like, your mom, your kids, your wife, your husband, Grandma, maybe, maybe an aunt, maybe a best friend, maybe. Normally not people that you never met. You know, I like Jay-Z. I like Hove. But, you know, I wouldn't die for Jay-Z if that was my options. I wouldn't be on camera saying I'm willing to die for Jay-Z. Like, I like Reasonable Doubt and the Blueprint as much as everybody else. But but I'm I'm not willing to die for it. People say that I, I hope they don't mean it. But that's what you know. That's what cults. That's what happened in cults. MAGA is a cult. You gotta be very careful. Like like I you know I believe in in the higher power and all of that stuff. But you know sometimes these people like it's cultish. And you know what happens with cults when it goes left. Read up on it. Read up on your know, Jim Jones and, and David Koresh. When stuff goes left, it, it it doesn't end, you know, happily with cults. So I mean, I'm not exactly sure what would happen 
And I'm not sure what will happen if Trump loses. Just be prepared. Uh, just be very, very prepared. And, and before I, you know, end this segment, some um, guy punched Rick Moranis, you know, from Spaceballs. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. They punched him, like, in the street in New York. Now, why would anybody want to punch Rick Moranis is beyond me. I'm going to hope that, you know, it's it's random and nobody run out of, went out of their way to say, hey, I'm going to punch Rick Moranis straight up in his jaw while he's with his family. I mean, Spaceballs is, a, is an excellent movie. I I don't know what I don't I don't know what Rick Moranis has done lately, like like I don't want to think of the you know the conspiracy theory. I don't want to think you know you owe somebody money or something, so they're out there breaking legs. But don't punch, don't punch Rick Moranis in the face. I mean, first off, Rick Moranis is like five one. It's like punching Danny DeVito in the face. I, I hope that person gets what's coming to him. BSO exclusive. Exclusive. Everybody likes to say exclusive. David, I, I think I've told you guys a story before about how uh, some media people, not all, some, just some, they take press releases and then they make it sound like an exclusive. If you're fast enough and you get the press release, you can say sources. Not everybody does say. Some people just say, hey, this is what the NFL sent. This is what the team sent. This is what the agent sent. But some of them guys... They they see the they see the press release, and before anybody else see it, it's exclusive. And then five minutes later, everybody else talks about it because the press release is out. That's a little media trick. I figured that out um, when I used to read. I'm not gonna say who it was, but I used to read uh, boxing uh, articles, and I'm like, man, this guy always has. Like all these exclusive interviews and all these quotes and everything. And then I just realized that it's taking them off press releases and it's putting them into the story as if they actually talk to the boxer. Learn something new every day. But anyway, this is an exclusive. Nobody else. Nobody else has reported this. But Travis Kelsey got his girl back. He got back Kayla Nicole. They had uh, briefly broken up, I think, uh, two, three months ago. Here's what happened. You know, I won't get into the dirty details, but they were on a, a couple's vacation before the training camp started with uh, Patrick Mahomes and his now pregnant fiance. I mean, that, that's we talked about that before. Prenuptial agreement, Patrick. Don't call him Pat. His mom don't like that. Prenup. That's, that's all I'm saying. Go to talk to Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders had the best prenup of all time. Go talk to Deion Sanders, Patrick, not Pat. But they were on a couple's retreat. Something happened on the couple's retreat. And next thing you know, she deleted them off all of her social media. Uh, they broke up. Uh, some people thought it was because uh, Travis had cheated with a white girl, but that was something that had happened in the past. <laughs> a little role reversal there. Uh, but Travis made a crucial mistake, you know, by actually acknowledging it on social media. That gives the uh, the okay then for mainstream media to talk about. So they officially had broken up. Uh, she did what a lot of people do uh, when they break up. 
you just you you're looking for attention uh so you just start dropping the thirst traps now you necessarily the attention that you get is not from who you want it is you just want the attention you ever heard guys say i don't understand like you know you drop these pictures i, I sent 700 dms but you never reply. I don't get it. You, you say you're looking for a good man. I'm a good man. <laughs> That's always my favorite. When they say I'm looking for a good man. And then 17 good men say I'm right here. Well, you're not the good man that they're looking for. <laughs> That's the problem. Then I say that like in a vacuum. Like every good man come you know, to the front door and knock. So I can do interviews. You're not the good man that they want. Sorry. <laughs> you may be a good man. Maybe a great man. They don't want you, though, because you don't have a $58 million contract. You have a $58 million contract. If you had a $58 million contract, you could be an okay man. Then you still probably, you still probably be okay. My dog just came running in 100 miles an hour. His legs are so short. Your legs are very short, Barkus. <laughs> but he, he's got speed. He looks like uh, uh, Darren Sproles. <laughs> when he runs so yeah so you, yeah you can be a good man but you, you you know you're a good man that works at ups nothing wrong with that but we've talked about this many 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 times over the years and once again i'm not knocking it i'm not knocking it i'm just telling you guys the truth sometimes it's the ugly truth but it's the truth it is very difficult to go and what did jay-z say this in the line it's difficult to go from you know filet mignon to hamburger helper, it's the same premise. It's very difficult to go from living a athlete, entertainer, rapper's girlfriend, fiance, wife lifestyle to you know the insurance salesman lifestyle. Not that there's anything wrong, and the insurance salesman or the accountant could treat you uh, just as well, and even maybe better in regards to things that don't have anything to do with money. But it's just very hard for some women to leave, you know, that lifestyle. So then when you wonder, like, why why do they all, you know, date the, why does Kyle Kuzma and Tyler Hero, you know, date the same girl? It's, it's all a circle, a circle of life and all that, da, 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 da. Why don't they ever want a good guy, you know, that, that works, you know, at, you know, Geico, like, you know, all that stuff. But it just, you know, I'm sorry if you work in Progressive, it's just not happening. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's very difficult for them to leave a lifestyle where basically the person that they will have so much money, they could do whatever they want, get whatever they want. Like I just got uh, my wife a, a, a car uh, for her birthday and for for the baby coming because she wanted like something real nice, uh, safe and everything. Right now, if I had a fifty eight million dollar contract. I would just walk in, buy the car with cash on my card or whatever, black card, and leave. Like life is easy. Like, I wouldn't have to sign, I wouldn't even have to be there probably more than an hour. Walk in, pick the car, hand get a debit card or whatever, and leave. <laughs> that that's it. That's 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 life when you have that type of money. Now you can have regular money. I got regular money and and, and good credit. So I can still get it, but there's a little negotiation that's involved. What's the down payment going to be? What's the interest rate going to be? How much I'm paying a month? Do I need the gap insurance? 
Do I need this package to go with it? It's the roof panoramic. It's a lot of stuff to sign. It's a lot of people to talk to. And you'll be there for five hours. <laughs> so that's the difference. You see what I'm saying? So it, 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 like I said, I don't knock it. Because there's levels to certain things, right? And I can tell you from an honest perspective, because I've been through every level, that once you hit certain levels, you don't want to go back. You do things to make sure that you don't go back, right? So, you know, if you've been at, like, a broke level, you know what I'm saying. Not like, you know, broke, broke. Like, not exactly sure how I'm going to pay for this stuff. I'm not exactly sure how these lights are going to stay on. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to eat. You know, I'm not exactly sure if I can have enough to get gas where you're trying to, you got $20, $30, and you're trying to figure out how to make that work for four days. If you've been to that level, right, and then you get up to just like a, 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 a livable level, like I can pay all my bills, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm okay in this apartment, I can eat, I can't, you know, but I got to really, really, really budget. That's better than the next level down. Then if you get to the next level, where it's like, okay, I got a little extra. Got a tad bit extra. I could do a little more. You know, I could travel a bit. I can't, like, travel every other weekend. But if I plan, you know, every couple of months, I can go somewhere and have a good time. I can't stay in the presidential suite, but I can stay in a, you know, a nice suite. You know, my suite may not be, you know, the one that's, you know, 5,000 5, square feet. But I maybe can get 1,000 square feet. So it's different levels, right? And you don't want to go back. You don't want to go back down. You don't want to go down the elevator. You want to keep going up if possible. So I think what happened, well, it's probably more than think, but, you know, it's a situation where she was in that circle, that Kansas City Chiefs circle, and you see Mahomes' girl pregnant gets the ring. See uh, Honey Badger has a fiance. You see all the other wives and girlfriends, and you're in that culture. And then you're outside of the culture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're not in the culture anymore. And it probably makes you sad. It probably makes you depressed. No, no amount of bikini pictures and and Savage Fenty is gonna make you feel better that that's the thing about social media which i tell people all the time what people should put out there that doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy or that they're, they're doing well or they're, they're feeling good about situations <laughs> so she probably just you know she she missed the life now the question begs you know once you get back in it you know what are you willing to sacrifice you know hopefully everything is great Hopefully, there was a wake-up call for their relationship. And the relationship is beautiful, and she's super, super happy for the rest of her days. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in their, their bedroom. I don't know what's happening, you know. But we, we do know some people sacrifice the life, you know, for treatment that's not so great. It's a trade-off. Nothing in life is free. Rarely do you have a situation where everybody's happy, everybody has millions of dollars, and da 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 I mean, that's just, that's just not how life works. There's, 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 there's no such thing as that perfection in that. There's always something going on behind the scene. I mean, hell, Dr. Dre was married, what, 25 years, almost 30 years. Now she's trying to take the chronic. <laughs> so it could always fall apart on you at any time. So I wish her well. She seems like a very um, nice person. And if she was the one that was being done wrong, hopefully, she, you know, Kelsey, we'll, we'll do right by her going forward. 
Now let's get into the Injustice League. The Injustice League. This story makes me sad. I have a lot of different feelings about it. But before I get into how I feel, let me let me just explain, you know, what's what's happening, right? So down in some small city in Texas, I think Wolf City, Texas, or something like that. One of those backwoods cities that I always talk to you about. Like when you talk about states, right? And I always use the, the state that I come from, Missouri, as an example, but I can use California as well. And in pretty much any other state, you always have the big cities, right? Like, like in Missouri, it's Kansas City and St. Louis, right? But in between, there's always these little towns um, that really make up the majority of, of America. There's no different in, 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 in Texas. You have Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, but then they have all of these little side towns that are... are Let's be honest, it's just racist cities. Let's just be honest with you, okay? And there was a guy who, who's from one of these towns, and his name is uh, Jonathan Price, okay? Jonathan Price. Now, I didn't know anything about Jonathan Price until yesterday. So I saw that, you know, someone said that he had got shot by the cops. That's not an unusual story in 2020. Guy gets shot by the cops in some backwoods town in Texas. Not a big deal. The The peculiar part of the situation was that uh, Mr. Lucas, excuse me, Mr. Uh, Price, was seen to be beloved uh, within his community. Did a lot of activism, um, seemed to be well-liked, seemed to be like a nice guy. Um, and then, you know, you come to find out when you're reading what happened to him, he was actually... Uh, being a good Samaritan. He's at a gas station. He saw a man uh, being physical uh, with a woman. He stepped in. Uh, him and the, the guy got into a, a scuffle. Cops were, cop was called. Cops come, uh, for whatever reason, decided to try to uh, arrest him, even though he was the one that was, you know, breaking up in the fight and protecting the woman. He walks away. Um, he's not armed. Um, he's no threat to the cop. Cop tases him and then, you know, shoots him three times. And he, he dies um, at the scene. Uh, just, I mean, we, we see it almost, you know, weekly in America. So that part was not surprising. And frankly, um, I don't even know, you know, out of all the things that are going on with Trump and the Rona and all of this stuff, if if it didn't kind of have this other backstory to it, I don't even know how much people would be be talking about it. But before I get to that backstory, the cop, uh, to my shock, uh, was his name Sean Lucas, uh, was arrested immediately. He has a million dollars bail, and we have to see um, how that works out. Because like I said, the arresting is the first part. The convicting is really the, the most important part. A lot of times they will arrest, I mean, unless, you know, you're Daniel Cameron, you arrest the cops, but then the cops either get off or, or whatever it may be. The jury lets them go. Uh, the fact that they did it so quickly and then, then put them on, like, paid vacation for three months while they decided says that either uh, they have some really good witnesses or they have some video showing exactly what happened and the video is really, really bad. The video has to be really, 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 really bad for them to arrest you within 24 hours of an incident if you're a cop. Remember, we had clear 
HD video of of the guy on uh, George Floyd's neck, and it still took them three or four days before they actually did anything. I think maybe almost a week. So obviously, terrible thing. You hope you know that um, Mr. Price gets justice. Sean Lucas is his first degree murder. Hopefully, he goes to jail for the rest of his life. Obviously, the community are trying to rally around to to help him uh, and his family. Right. The issue um, that kind of makes this unique is um, Mr. Price was on social media a few months ago in the midst of all of the Black Lives Matter protests and people talking about police brutality and things of that nature. And essentially, he took up for the cops. He spoke about his experience uh, with white police officers and white people in general in the uh, community that he's in. And he basically said that the white people in his community, the white cops in his, in his community, had treated him better than his own family members, his own black family members, and that led to, and I quote, I'm not making this up, his addiction to white women. Um, and, you know, he wanted people to understand that he never experienced racism um, with white people, with white cops. He felt like he was a Blue Lives Matter guy. Um, and he, he doubled and tripled down on this on social media. So obviously there's some irony to the fact that he was shot by a white cop while doing a positive thing, while being a good Samaritan, which is kind of the exact type of stuff that people have been marching about, they've been protesting about, that black people have been talking about for, you know, uh, hundreds of years. And, you know, you know it, it's, it's people of, I mean, somebody lost their life. And like I said, he, he was doing a good thing, you know. So obviously you have sympathy for him and his family. I saw his mom and stuff like that. But it is a teachable uh, moment, you know, I believe. And the reason somebody asked me, because you know how we do the titles and the headlines at, at BSL. Someone asked me, you know, why we haven't included the addiction to white women part. Because to me, like, that's really irrelevant, <laughs> Um, you know, if you want to, if you have an addiction to, to white women, I mean, that really has nothing to do with the cops. I mean, he kind of, it was odd that he kind of put that into his, his social media posting, um, uh, because, you know, basically what he was saying was because the cops and these other white people that treated him well, and in his mind, black people didn't treat him well. Um, uh, he found himself to prefer white women over black women. But to me, that's a, that's a different conversation. Um, and, you know, like I said, he seems to be well-liked. If you like white women, that's perfectly fine as long as you're not being disrespectful to black women. So we have to, like I said, that, that that's a different conversation. I think the more apt conversation and what people should really understand, especially people of color, is that no one is saying that your experience with, with white police officers have all been bad. Um, nobody's saying that. I think it's very, 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 very important to understand when you make these social media posts uh, defending the cops when black people are only speaking about the injustices and the police brutality, you're not helping, you know, the cause. You know what I'm saying? You're not really helping by saying, by, by, by discrediting, you know, what black people are protesting, you know, against. You know, the main reason why is we call it whitlocking. And if you want to know what whitlocking um, is, it's basically when a black guy says stuff that 
a white man or woman wants to say, but they know they can't say it because it's racist if it's coming out of their mouth. So when a black person says it, they can co-opt it um, and say, look, look at this black man, look at this black woman saying this. Uh, so, you know, they're black, so it must be true. You know what I mean? So it it, dis, it ends up discrediting black people when you do that. That's why you get the Whitlocks and the Candace Owenses and, and all this stuff is because their job, basically, the Herschel Walkers, is to say things that white people want to say but put a black voice behind it and then you can't say that it's quote-unquote racist. And it's just, you know, I, you know, things about karma and stuff all like that, like I said, I feel, I feel bad because nobody needs to to be murdered. He's a young guy, I think 31. You know, he's doing the right thing. He's trying to help a woman and, and you can probably guess the race of the woman that he was trying to help. <laughs> and he still is looked at as a criminal. When the cop comes, they assume that he's the one that is doing the wrong doing it. He's the one that's the threat. He's an, he's an ex-athlete, so he's a big guy. He's a threat just by the color of his skin, just by you know, his build just by the, the city that they're in and the cop who obviously, once again, these, and these, I swear, actually, you know, in the, in the, in the big cities, these cops have terrible training. So just, you know, they're terrible in New York city and LAPD. They're terrible. So just imagine with no budget, no resources, the type of dummies that, that they have being cops in these backwoods towns and he shot them. So, I mean, that, that would be my, just my, I said I'm a little torn on it. Like I said, I feel I feel bad, and nobody nobody wants to see their son murdered at 31, his whole life in front of them. Um, you know, their his, their friend, their family, and all of that stuff. But you can't you you really have to be careful about the things that you put on social media. Frankly, you got to be careful about the things you even discuss uh, with certain people uh, about anything because no one can, really can be trusted these days. I, I can tell you that from experience. Private conversations used to be private, but not anymore. People are, people are, not, for lack of a better term, they're whack uh, about that. You try to speak to people in private about situations and the first thing that they do is they run the social media to quote unquote uh, expose you. But to me, that exposes themselves and the type of character uh, that they have. You know, people jump on and things of that nature, but to me, that exposes your character. I've never taken a private conversation and made it public, no matter if, and I've had private conversations with people I don't like, you know, who I don't like, who don't like me, but I never made them public though, because to me, that's a, that's a, that's a weak punk move for, for attention. And it, it just doesn't fly, uh, with me. So hopefully, um, Mr. Price gets justice. I mean, we, we need to, one thing about the cops is that until we start locking them up for doing these type of stuff, they're just going to keep doing it. So if we can make an example out of Sean Price, uh, that'd be good. So let's move on to keep that same energy. Have I ever told you I hate the term or phrase black quarterback? And I know it's kind of ironic coming from somebody that, you know, has black sports online. But I, I always hated that phrase, black quarterback. The year of the black quarterback. The decade of the black quarterback. 
The only reason is because you just don't, you know, you don't say the decade of the white receiver. <laughs> the decade of the, the black center. It, it just, you know, I get it. Like, I, I totally understand it. You know, is that being, a, being black and a quarterback was an issue for NFL teams for many, 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 many years. Many years. Many years. So I, I get it. I just don't like the term. I think these guys are just playing quarterback. Because it, 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 it depending on who's saying it, it has a negative connotation to it. It's like you, you're playing it different. But the reason, well, the reason that this is in this segment is I want people to understand this. The, the connotation of the black quarterback. You know something? The white quarterbacks are playing just like the black quarterbacks. And let me explain to you what I mean. And I think it's time that we just kind of lose the black quarterback thing because the white quarterbacks are playing the same. There was a time in the NFL, not too long ago, let's say we go back to Michael Vick. Do you mind if I look something up? I'm going to look something up on the show while we're doing it. Do you mind? Do you mind? Michael Vick was the quarterback of the Falcons, what, in 2000? Hold on. I'm going to look something up. I'm looking up NFL starting quarterbacks. If you hear me typing, I'm sorry. <laughs> in the year 2000, okay? Yeah, they the, the internet has, Google has stuff for everything like this, okay? Okay, so let's look at the, yeah, the 2000 uh, starting quarterbacks, okay? Now, what Pro Football Reference has this. All right? Is Michael Vick on this? Because I wanted when it starts with Michael Vick. Where is Atlanta? Was he was he the quarterback? No, Chris Chandler. Okay, let's let's do 2000. Was it 2001? I want to start with where Michael Vick was the the, the starting quarterback. Is he is he the starting quarterback in 2001? I'm, I'm getting old. I can't remember my draft uh, years, and I can't just ask you guys a question. Nope, not 2001. <laughs> All right, we just gonna keep going. And because this is what you get with the with with the keep that same energy podcast. I don't do I don't do a lot of edits. I mean, only if like a hurricane or something comes. <laughs> I, I don't do a lot of edits. Let's see where we at. We we still there. We go. Michael Vick was this two thousand so two thousand and two. So let's see. That's eighteen uh, years ago. Eighteen years ago. Now, eighteen man. Drew Brees was was playing back then. 18 years ago, I'm looking at the starting quarterbacks uh, in the NFL or who started for a team, right? The majority of them are basically stand-up pocket passes, right? I would say out of the ones that we have here that could, could move around a bit, yeah, you know, Dante Culpepper back then, Jeff Garcia, white guy, Steve McNair, uh, who else you had? You had Vic. It made Mark Brunel. So he made four or five. McNabb was around back then. You had you had guys, you know, but for the most part, these guys were you had to stand in the pocket and you wasn't going anywhere. They're rushing yards. I'm looking at them right here. Uh, their rushing yards were not great. <laughs> uh, this is their passing stats. But I'm looking at their rushing yards. You didn't get a lot of, you know, QB rushing yards. Uh, back in that in that day, <laughs> you did not get a lot of uh, rushing yards back in the day. 
Now I'm gonna change this now to 2020, right? So you know, we talked 18 years ago when Michael Vick came in the league. The 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 thought of a quarterback running for four or five hundred yards uh, a year was was not a not a thing. Okay, it was not a, it was not a thing. Now you look at look at it now. I'm just looking at it now. Out of the 32 quarterbacks or 33 quarterbacks that have started a game this year. I would say, and I'm going to count them off to you in my mind. Let's count them off. So we'll start with Dak Prescott, one. Joe Burrow, two. Carson Wentz, three. Patrick Mahomes, four. Daniel Jones, five. Josh Allen, six. Gordon Minshew, seven. Uh, Kyler Murray, 12. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he runs, eight. Teddy Bridgewater runs, nine. Aaron Rodgers, 10. Sam Darnold has some wheels, 11. Uh, Russell Wilson, 12. Deshaun Watson, 13. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 14. Justin Herbert, 15. Ryan Tannehill, 16. Lamar Jackson, 17. Cam Newton, 18. Mitchell Trubisky, 19. Jimmy G. Eh, Jimmy G can run a little bit. 20. Drew Locke, you know, 21. Tyrod Taylor, 22. So you got like 22, 20 to 22 quarterbacks that are mobile, I would say. Where before, you may have five or six. Now you got more than the majority. And the guys that aren't mobile, they're on their way out. Brady, Breeze, Ryan, um, they're on their way out. These older guys. They're the guys that can't run. So they're not going to be around forever. Roethlisberger, bathroom Ben, they're not going to be around forever. So, so what do you see? You see now that to survive in the NFL, you got to be able to move a little bit. Who, who's who's everybody tanking for? Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence. I personally saw Sunshine not have a great passing game against the Ohio State University in the playoffs last year. He won that game with his legs. All of the passes that that did like big things were like screens. He was terrible passing it down the field. It was his legs that won that game. Harold just flopping in the wind. So that, that to me, there's no there's there's no more black quarterback, white quarterback. Like it used to be the way the black quarterbacks ran, and white quarterbacks, you know, stood in the pocket. White quarterbacks was pocket passes. Black quarterbacks were scramblers. Not anymore. You see Joe Burrow running around? You see Justin Herbert run? I saw Justin Herbert in the Rose Bowl last year. Terrible passing, running all around the field. So what's going to happen is, is the more these older guys are going to get out of here, then these new guys, these what? But they, that's, that's the problem. Once half of the white guys start running, then all of a sudden it won't be a running quarterback anymore. I don't know. They'll make up some term for it. Trust me. They'll make up a, ni- a nice term for it. Trust me. It'll be a nice term. It won't be a negative term anymore. But once again, like in the history of mankind, uh, the NFL has, even though they say they don't want to, they become more like what they hate. That people get, you know, people say they hate Lamar the way Lamar Jackson played. They hate the way. 
uh, you know, Michael Vick played, Randall Cunningham. You can never win like that. You, I see, I see Patrick Mahomes, you know, floating around, the, running around all the time. He won the Super Bowl, so now it's okay. That's how it always is. Now it's okay. They're always stealing from college anyway. College, you know, start doing all those spread offenses and read options. All that stuff comes from college, and then the pros steal it. I haven't seen an eye formation in four years. <laughs> so also, and ended with this, my guy Dwayne Haskins. I feel for you, bro. Down at what you're not you can't be the Redskins anymore. You're the Washington football team. And I tell you the reason that I feel for him, not because I feel like he should be babied, right? It's just like, damn, man, if the kid only has like what, 15 starts? I saw Joe Judge. The, the Giants coach, they had some, you know, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, is having a problem this year. I think he's only, he has thrown a touchdown like four games. And, and Joe Judge said, you know, Daniel Dimes, Daniel Jones is our quarterback. We believe in him. We ride or die with him. And what's going on in Washington? They say, hey, man, if you don't play well, we're getting your ass out of here. We're putting in Kyle Allen. Like, that doesn't inspire confidence. Like, and I understand that, you know, new coach, he didn't choose you. It's just it's something about Washington, man. They just they don't they don't give you any any time to to actually grow into the position. They just always on you all the time. And I'm not saying that he can't get better, but I mean he's a young quarterback. I mean it just happens. I I feel like the people forget Patrick Mahomes sat for an entire year behind Alex Smith. That's why he doesn't have a rookie of the year. You know, like under his belt, he sat for it. He learned. That's 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 okay. You put these guys out here too fast, and maybe they have some success early on. But then, what what the Bay? I call it the Baker Mayfield effect. Baker comes out there, he's slinging, he's doing all of his stuff. But this is the NFL. These defensive coordinators are smart. They they find your tendencies, and that stuff can work in college because you just have so much more talent than the teams that you're facing against. But in the NFL, where the talent is more equal, they find your tendencies, and if you're not really good, they will expose it. That's why they run in, that's why they were running Chubb and Hunt 700 times a game, because even the, the coach of the Browns knows it. Like, hell, let Jarvis Landry throw it. So that ends up what happens. And what happens? Unless you have a coach like Andy Reid, that can scheme it up. Unless, you know, that's why I would say, like, the 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 Bills and the, and the Ravens. I mean, look at, I mean, Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen, their rookie seasons when they did get into the game, right? You know, it wasn't, I mean, they won games, but the reason that they won games is because the teams knew their liabilities and just played to their strengths. And then they have, you have to work hard in the offseason. You have to learn. You have to get better. And then what you see is progressively better growth. You can't just throw somebody out there and say, here, do something. You have to understand what their weaknesses are and what their strengths are. Are you are you scheming what Dwayne Haskins do, does well? Are you scheming what Daniel Jones does? Are you scheme? Damn, think about what they've done to Sam Donald. Mentally, he's all jacked up just from the way – that he's been coached up. And let's not even get into Josh Rosen. 
he's going to be a 30 for 30. Never had a chance. My guy never had a chance. I just, I just, I don't like the term black quarterback. I don't. I do not. <laughs> I do not. They're just quarterbacks. And they're damn good quarterbacks. And frankly, white quarterbacks are now patterning themselves, you know, after them. Whoever's like that next Manning was Arch, I guarantee you Arch is going to have a good, about a good 4 seven forty. He's not going to be a statue back there. He's going to be more like Archie than Peyton. Be sure to check out the website, blacksportsonline.com. Register for my email list for all the new updates. Listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSOTV, and much appreciation to my podcast partners at ABF Creative for all their hard work in making this weekly podcast a success. I'm out.